Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, October 17th, 2017. This is Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast, as we do every weekday morning. And it is getting cold. It is definitely starting to feel like fall. We turned the heat on in the house last night for the first time this uh, fall, October season, whatever you want to call it. But hope you're enjoying it wherever you are. It's a nice day. And it is Tuesday, and it is Celtics Preview Tuesday. We've been teasing it. Uh, pretty much for the past week and a half or so. Thanks for bearing with me. We're finally here. The Celtics, if you have not already heard, open their season this evening at the Cleveland Cavaliers. The game time, I believe, is 8 o'clock, but uh, check that out. It could be 7, 7.30, somewhere in there. Uh, I'm assuming that's what you're going to want to watch. It's going up against baseball tonight. you got a, you got a, you a couple of baseball games. The Yankees have made... Uh, made it into an interesting series in the ALCS. It's a 2-1 to series after the, the Yankees won last night. Cubs down 2-0 to the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series. They play game three tonight. So I'm assuming everybody's going to watch the Celtics. And if you do, you're going to be in for a treat. It'll be a good game. Uh, it is questionable right now whether LeBron James is going to play for the Cavaliers. He, he hurt his ankle. Uh, either in the offseason or going back to last season. It's just kind of a kind of a lingering injury, and they have not committed to play him yet, and he has not he's, – he's still – his status for tonight is still kind of up in the air. I expect he's going to be out there. This is, to me, is a classic dramatic pause. I think LeBron will play tonight. Who knows how much, but I think he'll play. Uh, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because you're focused on the Celtics. So – what can we expect from the Boston Celtics this season? To recap last season, they uh, were 55-27, and 27, I believe, was the regular season record. That was the best record in the Eastern Conference. They earned the first seed in the Eastern Conference. As we all know, they lost to the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals four games to one and really weren't, were not any match for the Cavaliers in that series doesn't really matter that the Cavs won or they, that, that, that they won they were victorious in one more game than the Cavaliers were last year. They just were not on the same level as the Cavs as a team. This year's Celtics team, however, looks almost nothing like last year's Celtics team for a lot of reasons. So it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint and think about where they're going to be. They, they, they don't have the normal upward or, or downward trajectory that you would you would you know, kind of see associated with a team that brings back most of its players. The Celtics are bringing back almost none, I shouldn't say that, but uh, comparatively very few of their important players from last year's team. And the players that are going to be important on this year's team are either brand new or are going to play very different roles than they did last year. So it's going to be an interesting season to see how it works out. They, uh, they're very talented, as we'll see. They should be the best team in their division. They should challenge for the Eastern Conference again. They might be a year away with LeBron still in Cleveland, but I think they're at a high point, best-case scenario, they could win the Eastern Conference. They're that talented. Uh, I don't know if they're good enough to beat Golden State in the West, San Antonio in the West, Houston in the West, but I think they're probably good enough to at least contend for, if not win, the Eastern Conference Finals. So it should be an interesting season in year one of this Kyrie Gordon Hayward era. And before we get into the, 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 the roster, let's start with the coach for a second because I want to say something about Brad Stevens quickly. When Brad Stevens was hired, 
and this was, I don't know, five years ago now, something like that, four or five years ago, uh, in, in an event after, after Doc Rivers went to LA. I remember that hiring and thinking to myself, I don't really like it. I don't think it's going to work out. He's a placeholder. He's not going to do real well. And then he's going to go back to college. And that was not an indictment of Brad Stevens, in my view. I think Brad Stevens, I thought then, and I obviously still do think, Brad Stevens is a tremendous basketball coach. One of maybe the top five basketball minds in the entire country. He might even be the best coach pound for pound in the NBA. That's obviously debatable. And I'm not going to stick to that. Greg Popovich fans, Steve Kerr fans would debate me on that. So I'm just saying he's up there. He, it, 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 so when he came aboard, my skepticism of that hiring had absolutely nothing to do with him personally. So now you look at the, the individual uh, players and, and the roster as a whole. And it obviously starts with the guy who is going to be counted on to be a leader and that the team is going to be run around him, and that's Kyrie Irving at point guard. And I don't have, like I said, I'm in the car, so I don't have individual stats in front of me, so I'm not going to be like a, a stat geek on this. But Kyrie, I know, was in the 20s last year in terms of points per game. He was close to LeBron. He actually might have outscored him on a per-game basis for Cleveland last year. There is no denying how good this guy is on offense. I mean, Kyrie Irving is... He might even be the most talented offensive player in the league. That is that is arguable for certain. Don't I mean I, I'm not saying it for a fact. James Harden obviously, LeBron obviously, Russell Westbrook. I mean all of these guys are extraordinarily talented, and you know Kyrie's up there with him. That's all I'm saying. He is going to get his because you simply can't stop Kyrie Irving. I mean there's there's nobody in the league that can really really stop Kyrie Irving one-on-one. -on -one. He's got too many moves and he's too good. I mean, you saw Avery Bradley last year for the Celtics, who is who, who, who is an unbelievably good defensive player, and even Marcus Smart, who's, who might even be better. Even these guys struggle to stop Kyrie Irving. The best guards in the league don't stop Kyrie Irving. He's that good on offense. And now that he's had a few years in the league, I mean, he's, he's remember, he's still young. He's only 25 seems like he's been around for, for a while, and, and he has been around in the league for five years. Remember, he came out after his freshman year at Duke, so he's been in the league for a while. And, again, the, the guy's got every offensive move in the, in the arsenal. He is not a great defender, and that doesn't change too much from last year. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was a great offensive player, not a tremendous defender. Uh... Kyrie Irving is going to bring the same set of, of offensive amazement and defensive, you know, lapses or, 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 you know, not a great defensive player in any event. And so the question I think for me is, is Kyrie going to be able to run the offense as well as score? Because the Celtics, with Kyrie on the floor, don't have a traditional point guard in this lineup. It's not a huge difference, like I said, from last year. I mean, their point guard... Last year, Isaiah was a score-first point guard. He wasn't as much of a distributor. I actually think Kyrie might be a better distributor than 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 Isaiah was. And and again, I, I'm not knocking down Isaiah. I loved Isaiah Thomas. It was awful to watch that guy get traded. 
even though it was for Kyrie. But when when you compare Kyrie and, and Isaiah, you'll take Kyrie every day. And like I said, this guy is a top three point guard in the league, I think. Certainly on offense, he's that good. And you know, I, you don't worry too much about the offensive the offensive output from Kyrie. You do wonder if he's going to be able to get everybody involved in the offense, if he's going to understand everybody else's strengths and weaknesses so he can get guys in the right position. That is the big question with Kyrie because everything else is going to take care of itself. He's that good. So don't worry about the, the, output, from, the output from Kyrie Irving. The only, I mean, you, you worry about whether he's going to get injured, but you worry about that with everybody. So that's Kyrie. At shooting guard, you got another you got you got another new guy, and it's Gordon Hayward. And Gordon Hayward, at least to start the year, that's what they're going to do. At least in the starting lineup, Hayward obviously was the key free agent for the Celtics in the offseason. He was the guy they wanted all along. Stole him right out from from Utah. Utah had his bird rights. He took less money to come to Boston to come back. Remember, Brad Stevens was his college coach. It's probably difficult to forget that considering how much how much was written about it when he signed in Boston so Stevens knows how how Hayward works Hayward was a really good college player he's been he's become an even better pro the guy's a very good shooter he's athletic he does best when he's off the ball running around screens and getting himself free for 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 jumpers and being able to make plays he seems like the perfect kind of versatile chameleon guy that Brad Stevens does well with. Remember that Stevens really likes these kind of versatile, you know, guard forward types. I mean, Jay Crowder doesn't look like Gordon Hayward, but he, he is still, I mean, he's actually shorter than Hayward. I think he's 6'6", and was more of a shooter than anything else, and Hayward got, you know, Stevens got a ton out of him. Uh, it'll, it'll be fun to see what he gets out of Gordon Hayward, who is a, is, is a, another, like I said, a, a really good offensive player and will get his on offense. He's a competent defender by most rankings. He's not an elite defender by any stretch of the imagination. He will need to be. He will need to be a very, very good defender in this league or in the, in the conference because I don't, I, I got to tell you, I look at the Celtics lineup and I don't know who's guarding a guy like LeBron. I don't know who's going to guard him. So it will be interesting to see what they get out of if, if they manage Hayward's minutes because they're going to rely on him a lot as the season goes on. He will be a very, very important part of this team at the end of the season and at the beginning of the season. So that's your backcourt. There's not much, you know, offensively, you're not going to worry a lot about these two guys. They're going to get their points. They're going to play very well off of each other. And, you know, you're not too, too worried about what you're going to get on offense from these two guys. They're the leaders. They're they're getting the big bucks to come play here. It's Kyrie's team. It's Hayward's contract. These two guys are the leaders, along with the center, and that's Al Horford. And... Horford was the big free agent last year and also took less money. The Hawks had his bird rights. Also took less money to come to Boston. And he had a good first season in Boston. It, it might even border on great. I mean, he was he was a he was a very first very good player. 
last year for the Celtics, but he wasn't and isn't really a traditional big man in the sense that, you know, he, he will take and make a lot of long-distance shots, some threes, with that kind of goofy-looking goofy looking shot. He's got range to get out there and shoot it, and he will make those shots. He's not much of a rebounder, and I don't know if that was a, a disappointment to the Celtics last year. He didn't get a ton of rebounds. In fact, I don't even think he was the, 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 the number one rebounder on his team last year. I think Jay Crowder might have out-rebounded him, but... You know, so he's not a traditional big that is going to play in the middle and, and, you know, clog up the lane, block shots, get a bunch of rebounds. That's also not how Brad Stevens wants to play, though. You know, remember how, and understand how, how Golden State has been so successful the past couple of years. And even how the Cavs have been so successful, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different looking team, but the same kind of model. The, the, the Warriors have been really, really successful running a bunch of guys out there that are versatile, that can play different positions, and all of whom can shoot. You know, Draymond Green plays power forward in that Golden State lineup. He's 6'5 on a good day. You know, Kevin Durant's 6'11, but Kevin Durant's not a typical 6'11 guy. We can play point guard if you want. You know, Clay Thompson is 6'7. Can play anywhere, you know, such a good defender and such a good shooter can play anywhere on the floor. That's what Stevens is going for with this team, I think. That's what Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens want to do with this team. They want to make it very versatile. They want to get a bunch of guys who can do a bunch of different things and not pigeonhole them into, you know, traditional big man, point guard, small forward, etc. roles. And Horford is, to me, the quintessential quote-unquote versatile big in that he's not a get-in-the-lane, give-me-the-ball-five-feet-away-for-a-skyhook or a, a jump-hook type of shot. He's a shooter. He can run the floor. He can still defend a little bit. He's not a tremendous rebounder. But he is a very, very valuable member of this rotation. And I think if, if you look at him as... If you look at the advanced statistics last year which I don't have in front of me again, but if you look at them, I would hazard to guess that Horford was one of the more valuable members of that team last year. And because of all that he can bring to this kind of offense. So Horford is your guy in the middle and will be as long again, as long as he's healthy to go along and complete the new big three in Boston. And of course, now we get to the forwards. And of course I mixed up Gordon Hayward and put him at the shooting guard, and that's wrong. He's probably more of a small forward in this offense, although you can kind of interchange the spots. The guy who is probably going to be the third guard, quote-unquote, in this offense is Jalen Brown. And say what you want about Jalen Brown. I actually thought he had a better rookie season last year than people gave him credit for. You know, the guy's not a tremendous shooter. He can shoot it. He can get out there and shoot it. You know, people when when the Celtics took him with the third pick, it, it was it was almost kind of like last year. That is not this past year, but in 2016, when the Celtics took him with the third pick, it was almost as if people thought to themselves, "Well, this is just a really bad consolation prize." After you know the first couple of picks in the draft, that the, the balls didn't bounce bounce the Celtics' way, and you know they they were kind of left with. With, with Jalen Brown after the top two picks were supposed to be spectacular. Jalen Brown turned in a pretty good rookie season. 
He's athletic, another versatile guy, a good defender. Like I said, not an elite shooter, but can shoot it if you really want him to. And, I mean, if you're the third pick in the draft, I mean, you're supposed to be in the starting lineup pretty quick. If you're the third pick in the draft, you're expect the team's expecting that you're going to start, you know, relatively soon after the pick is made. And, and you know, Jalen's getting into the starting lineup. He's still on this team after all of the reshuffling and the trades and and what have you. The Celtics think highly of him. And if he comes in and, and just performs well defensively, first of all, and he can do that, and he makes himself an option in offense, runs around, sets some screens, you know, hits a few shots, gets to the rim, gets fouled. I mean, he can be very, very productive in this lineup that is not going to be very reliant on him to score. He, he could be kind of a do-it-all type of guy in this starting lineup. So Jalen is going to not really – I mean, it's, it's going to be a nice year for Jalen to, to, to be productive. He's not really going to have a microscope on him because a lot of other guys are going to have microscopes on him. So he, he enjoys kind of a relatively low-pressure environment. Just let Irving and Hayward and, Hay and and Horford do the job for him and, and set him up to be to be an option, and, and, and he'll do well. The other starting role at the beginning of the season is going to be filled by Jason Tatum. When Marcus, Mor Marcus Morris gets back from injury, you know, people are saying it's probably going to be him. Uh... The, uh, they, they traded for him in the offseason from Phoenix. Uh, uh, more of a power forward, kind of bruising type. A good rebounder. Not a tremendous offensive threat. Not a real offensive threat at all. But a bruiser uh, coming off a not guilty verdict in an assault trial over the summer along with his twin brother, Markeith, who Celtics fans are very used to seeing as he's a Washington wizard. He will be kind of the muscle in the lineup. The brute force, the rebounder, like I said. The guy who is probably going to start in place of Morris, who again is, is, is nursing an ankle at this point, is Jason Tatum, the number three pick out of Duke, who by all accounts has had an impressive preseason, had an impressive summer league and training camp. Uh, I liked this pick a lot more than a lot of other people did. And, you know, go back to June, the Celtics, remember, had the first pick, traded it to the 76ers for the third pick and the rights to the potential Lakers pick next season. Just go back and Google it. It's, it's much easier to do that than for me to explain it. But they gave up Markel Fultz to get this guy. And, and I was a lot higher on Tatum and on that decision than a lot of people were. People really liked Fultz and, and thought he would fit in well here. I think Tatum is another one of these versatile guys that Brad Stevens can get an awful lot out of. He's a much better shooter. He's tall, first of all, 6'10", 6'11". Much better shooter than people give him credit for. Can get to the rim. Actually defended pretty well at Duke on a team that did not defend all that well as a whole. And, you know, once Morris gets back, he's going to be a lot like Brown in that there, there won't be a, a real microscope on him. He can defer to other guys and just kind of play without pressure and grow into his role. So I'm expecting a good rookie season out of Jason Tatum. He's not going to start unless he grows into it, and that would be a great surprise if he did. I'm expecting a good rookie season out of him. I think he can give he can give the Celtics an awful lot and can give Brad Stevens an awful lot. So the other guy from on the bench who, who kind of warrants special attention or, or special mention, I should say, is Marcus Smart. And 
the the seven guys I've, I've just named, I think, are going to be your primary seven-man rotation this season. Uh, that's not to say other guys won't be used, especially earlier on in the year, but the seven guys I think I've named, Irving, Hayward, Horford, Brown, Morris, Tatum, and now Smart, I think are going to be your primary seven-man rotation as you get down the stretch. And Marcus Smart plays a very, very big role on this team this year. Very, very big. He is now, with Avery Bradley being gone, and, and even with, with Bradley still here, maybe, he's the team's best on-ball defender. He is definitely going to play in close games down the stretch because he proved a couple of things in the playoffs last year. One, he proved that he could still defend with the best of them and, and, and deserves to be on the court against the other team's best guard. Two, he proved that he could actually he can score the ball a little bit too. I don't know if you know this, Marcus, Marcus Smart averaged close to 11 points a game last year and also averaged close to five rebounds a game. He's a valuable guy. I mean, he's got to play. And not just for his defensive skills, he's a much better offensive player than people give him credit for. So Marcus Smart is going to see a lot of minutes for this team. He is, is another guy that doesn't necessarily need the spotlight to do really, really well. I could see later on in the year, I mean, getting into offensive and defensive switches with Kyrie Irving, although you definitely want Irving on the floor if, if there's any chance that you're going to have the ball. You want Irving on the floor for that, but Marcus Smart will play a very big role all season long for this team. He's going to be counted on to run the second unit early in the season. He's going to be counted on to defend the other team's best player on the first unit. You will see an awful lot of Marcus Smart. He is going to get, going to be given every opportunity to prove that he deserves a big free agent contract, whether that be here in Boston or elsewhere. He will be given that opportunity. And he's been, like I said, he's been a very good player. He's been a pretty good player, I guess I should say, for, for, for Brad Stevens. Stevens this year will give him the opportunity to be a really good player because he's not stuck behind Avery Bradley anymore in terms of defender, in, in terms of being a defender. Is he stuck behind Kyrie Irving to some extent? Yeah, but he does different things than Kyrie Irving does. So if he's a better three-point shooter this year, boy, he's a very valuable player. He could make an awful lot of money. If he's really in, it improved his three-point shooting, he could make an awful lot of money in the NBA because he's that good of a defender. So Smart will see the floor an awful lot. Beyond that, you've got a lot of guys who will see spot minutes and you're not quite sure what you're going to get out of them. Terry Rozier was a fairly valuable late bench player last year. Second-year guard out of Louisville. A good scorer. Um, actually not a bad rebounder in his own right for a guard. A good scorer, not a great shooter, but he can definitely get to the rim and create his own good depth point, you know, a good depth guard to have if you're on the team. And, and again, you're not talking about anything more than a third point guard with Rozier, maybe a backup to Jalen Brown, something like that, but a good depth guy to have. They brought in Aaron Baines, the Australian center, was in San Antonio early on in his career. I don't exactly know where he was last year, but Aaron Baines, a much more prototypical center, a seven-footer, a big dude, good rebounder, and that's the exact reason why they brought him in. He did get hurt a little bit in the preseason, 
I don't know if he's going to be ready right at the start of the season. It's not thought to be anything serious. So Aaron Baines will get some backup minutes at center, spell Horford a little bit, you know, come in there to get some rebounds, play some defense. Uh, Gershon, you'll get your first taste of Gershon Yabaselli this year, the French, uh, French wing who they picked in the same draft as Jalen Brown with the 16th pick, and everybody wondered what the heck are they doing. A draft and stash guy. He's on the roster. You'll get your first taste of him. Another wing player who can shoot it a little bit. Gives him a big, bo a bigger body. He may come in, do some, you know, some spot minutes at the four, maybe the three. He'll be given a chance to earn increased minutes as the season goes on as well. And you'll see some other guys in and out of the lineup uh, here and there. Semi Ojale, a second round pick, appears to have made the team out of SMU. He was a Duke transfer. Very athletic guy. Um, again, unproven second-round pick, so you're not expecting a ton out of him. Abdul Nader appears to have made the team, who was very good in the preseason. Another versatile guy. Shoot, can shoot it a little bit, can defend a little. <clears throat> not quite sure what you're going to get out of somebody like that. Again, an undrafted player. It might have gone in the late second round. I forget which. but um, So you'll see spot minutes from each of these guys. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously analyze it as the season goes along, depending on how how much you know Stevens decides to play each of them. But your basic lineup is that I mean it's 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 a brand new year for the Celtics. None of these guys have ever played together before. I'm glad to see it's Stevens captaining the ship, and we will see. I mean it's 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 a very it's a great experiment, I guess, for the Celtics. You haven't seen this much you haven't seen this much roster turnover in ten years since the last time they brought in the big three. And obviously, the last time they did that, it worked out extremely well uh, when, when they brought in uh, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett to play with Paul Pierce, and it ended in a championship pretty quick. I don't think these guys... That was before LeBron became LeBron, and, and, and LeBron is now LeBron. and He's in his last year in the East, potentially, with the Cavaliers. So as long as he's there, in terms of a prediction, what am I going to do? And I'm segueing into that now. As long as LeBron is playing for Cleveland and in the Eastern Conference, uh, I can't honestly and, and faithfully pick any other team besides Cleveland to get to the finals. Le LeBron is just, he's, he's the difference maker and he's too much of a dominating force as long as he's healthy, which he may not be early, early on in the season, but I think he will get there. I, I think, you know, no one's going to tell me he's not going to be fine, but... I think the Celtics will be the main challenger to Cleveland in the East, and if they have a good season, they get a good season from Jason Tatum, they get an, you know, a, a, an improved season from Jalen Brown, they get good contributions you know, from, 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 from Horford and, and, and Hayward and, and, and Kyrie mesh together. I think they will be the main challenger in the East, and... If LeBron leaves next season, and I think he will, I think he's going to go west. I think the Lakers are clamoring to get this guy. If LeBron leaves and goes west next season, then I think the Celtics become the instant, odds-on, and overwhelming favorite, potentially for years to come in the Eastern Conference. And this is, you know, kind of the prototype season for the Celtics. You know, to get everything together, to make sure it meshes well, I think it will mesh much more seamlessly than people think. I think Stevens will do a good job with the roster to make sure they're on the same page. I don't think they're going to beat Cleveland. I think they're going to win their division. 
I'll predict that. I think they'll win their division. Toronto is back, and Toronto's pretty good. But I don't think Toronto is as good as the Celtics or as deep as the Celtics. So I think they're going to win their division again. I'll predict that they'll get back to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose the rematch to the Celtics again, or to the Cavs again. Um, I, I just, like I said, I think this roster will mesh very well from the outset and won't need any <clears throat> any significant influence or, or, or won't have much trouble doing that. So I'm expecting a good year. I'm expecting 50-plus wins again. And, and this is as much, like I said, this is as much of a, a, a setup year as anything else for the Celtics. If they get on the same page this year, they may not win the Eastern Conference this year, but they will be definitely, definitely will be in position to do it next year, and potentially for several years after that, as long as Kyrie stays around. So it'll be a fun year in Boston in the NBA. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm looking forward to watching tonight. First game tonight at Cleveland, rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. Kyrie's return to Cleveland. I'm sure, I'm sure that crowd will love to see him again. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow a little bit more as, as the game continues. For now, you know, that, though, that's, that's our Celtics preview and our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoy the game tonight. Tomorrow, assuming no big Red Sox or Patriots or Celtics news, like earth-shattering news, like John Farrell getting fired or a manager getting hired, we are finally going to talk a lot of Bruins tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll recap the season so far figure out where they're going, figure out what they've done, what they still need to do. Uh, we'll finally plan to talk a lot of Bruins tomorrow. We will certainly break down, if we can, the game uh, tomorrow, or, or the game tonight, the Celtics game tonight. Any other Red Sox-Patriots news come up, we will cover it. Uh, until then, make it a great day. That's our show for today. We will see you tomorrow morning on the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Lyons. See you, see you tomorrow, everybody.